0: All right, welcome to part two of this podcast highlighting the most dominant victories for CSU football in the 21st century. We're going to keep the action moving with the 2008 season, the beginning of the Steve Fairchild era. But, real quick, hockey fans, the final chase for the Stanley Cup is here. At DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the Stanley Cup final, has a canvas offer for the most exciting series in sports. New customers can bet $5 on either team to win Tampa or Colorado. Get 100 bucks in free bets no matter what, win or lose. The outcome does not matter. If you're looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the final, do so with the DraftKings Same Game Parlay. Combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. What's awesome is DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR. New customers can bet $5 on either NHL team to win their game, get $100 in free bets no matter what. Again, that is with the promo code DNVR at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the Stanley Cup final. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. All right, all right, all right. The uh, The 2008 season had kind of a weird feel to it. There was, I think, a lot of resentment with the way that things were handled with Sonny Lubick at the end. There was also excitement given that Steve Fairchild, you know, longtime OC under Sonny Lubick had, you know, come back from the NFL to lead the program. They had their guy, you know, a ram to, to take over. And it just didn't quite work out. You know, it's it's kind of like Bobo, where I, I don't think he was a bad football coach. I do think that Fairchild struggled to connect with his players to an extent. But it, it was clear that he had an ability to evaluate talent. I mean, most of the talent that Jim McElwain won with during his time at CSU were Steve Fairchild players. That's just the truth. It was pre-transfer portal era. So, I mean, you had D Hart come in. But, you know, other than him, you know, it was largely, you know, Weston Richburg, Garrett Grayson, all these guys that, you know, Capri Bibbs even, those were all, those were all Steve Fairchild guys. Nonetheless, outside of 2008, it did not end up being a very fun time during the Fairchild era. I mean, even in 2008, the Rams only went seven and six, but it was just a crazy year. I mean, they they start two and two, they they drop the opener against Colorado, 38-17, before responding with wins over Sac State in Houston. The most memorable games, I would say, from 2008 would be either the New Mexico Bowl against Fresno State, obviously a really exciting moment in program history. Garchel Johnson just goes wild. I mean, there's a lot of excitement at that point. You're coming off of two wins to close out the regular season, both over longtime conference foes in New Mexico and Wyoming. And then, you know, the, the loss to BYU, they, they dropped 45 to 42 against a top 20 BYU team on November 1st. That's the game where Joey Porter chest bumped Garchal Johnson in the end zone, just back and forth. I mean, CSU lost that game, but to this day, it's still one of the most fun college football games that I've ever gotten to watch. As far as the most dominant win goes, though, I, I think you have to go with the November 15th victory over New Mexico. The Rams win that one 20-6, hold the Lobos to just a pair of field goals. And what was really impressive was CSU really dominated them, and they didn't force any turnovers. I mean, it was just preventing them from driving down the field, forcing punts, uh, getting stops when they needed to. Not the flashiest game, but I mean, it was, it was just an instance where CSU was clearly superior. I mean, total yards were pretty close, 389 for CSU. 359 for UNM. The Rams actually had two turnovers, but you know they were able to put the ball in the end zone. Billy Ferris, quarterback, finishes 16 to 27 for 237, one touchdown, a pair of picks. Uh, Garchal Johnson leads the Rams in rushing, 30 carries for 127 yards and a touchdown. Kyle Bell also had seven carries for 24 yards as the number two back. Honestly, I was somewhat surprised that New Mexico wasn't the opponent. That I that I chose more consistently for this exercise. That was the first time they do come up a couple of more times, and it, it makes sense because early on in the century they were still a competent football program and, and not the dumpster fire that they are today. But a 2008 most dominant win, 20 to six over the UNM Lobos. 2009, another another tough year. 2009, 2010, 2011 maybe the worst three-year stretch in, in program history. I mean, there there were plenty of tough ones, I know, going way back before I was born, but definitely the worst three-year stretch of my lifetime. The Rams start this year 3-0, and then they dropped nine straight to close the year. For the most dominant win, though, it was awesome. A 35-20 win up at Hughes Stadium over a Colin Kaepernick, Nevada team. That was back when we were getting all those fun Nevada Boise State games, all the showdowns, late night games on ESPN. Uh, the Rams ended up forcing five turnovers, and they were able to win it. Deion Morton, wide receiver, threw a touchdown. He caught another one. One of my favorite players from that era. You know, like if you were, I, I did this actually. I, I made my all-time CSU football roster on an old NCAA football game. I actually made Deion Morton in my wide receivers room. He's clearly not one of the best wide receivers in, in CSU football history. I mean, there have just been so many talented guys. He was like one of the more memorable, exciting players of my childhood, though. Him and, and Johnny Walker. And then all these guys that would just catch bombs. But CSU just couldn't stop anyone. The, the win over Nevada was significant for a lot of reasons. Obviously, beating a, a team with a, a quarterback as talented as Colin Kaepernick is is huge, but on top of that, it was big for me personally because it was the first time that I got to attend a CSU football game at Hughes Stadium in in person. I'd been to some games down in Denver, but that was the first time that I got to go up and experience Fort Collins firsthand. You know, I grew up following CSU. My dad was an alum. You know, growing up in in Lakewood, we watched every game, but it was a bit of a trek, and you know, the tough part with youth sports, and I'm sure there are plenty of parents listening to this podcast that know exactly what I'm talking about, is, you know, it makes it hard, you know, when me and my brother both had youth football and basketball and baseball and everything else going on, it was just, it was hard to have a Saturday where neither of us was playing, where we would have enough time to be able to get up to Fort Collins and then check out a game. Finally got to do it in 2009. I was in the eighth grade and I got to go to CBN Potts for the first time with my dad, old school CBN Potts see the giant shark, you know, hanging from the ceiling, all the the memorabilia. And I just, it, it felt like home to me. I know it's corny to say that I was in the eighth grade, but I, I always knew I wanted to go to CSU, but, you know, getting on campus, being in Fort Collins and just seeing it all. And God, I remember the university just seemed so dauntingly huge to me, but you know, I knew like for sure that's that's where I was gonna go, and there was really never any doubt for me. Like my entire childhood, all of high school, like I just I knew where I wanted to be, and it, and it wasn't just that I was a sports fan at that point. It was that you know I had, I had found the community that was just perfect. You know, from the very first moment I ever stepped on campus, it just felt right. I don't know, I it, i totally sound like cliches right now, but that is genuinely how I feel. You know, I I. I fell in love with the CSU campus that day. I knew I was a CSU fan. I'd always been a Ram fan. I'd always cheered for the for the teams. But on that day, I knew for sure, Like, whenever I was ultimately going to go to school, it had to be CSU, and it had to be in Fort Collins. All right, getting back on track. In 2010, CSU finished 3-9, the second of three consecutive seasons in which CSU would do that. Again, it was tough being a CSU fan. I go up to CSU in eighth grade and I, you know, I find my home. I know for a fact I'm a Ram, you know, I I bleed green and gold more than ever at this point. And CSU is just in the midst of the worst stretch of my lifetime. And all of my friends are CU fans. Everybody I go to high school with is, you know, just clowning me for wearing CSU gear, but I never abandoned them. I never abandoned them. And I stuck with it despite these awful years. 2010, they, they start with a 24-3 loss to CU followed up with a 51-6 loss at Nevada. So, you know, one year after pulling the upset, Nevada gets revenge in a major way. They then go two uh, at Miami of Ohio, lose that one 31-10 before beating Idaho for the first win of the year in week four. The most dominant win of the year came on October 16th, 2010. There weren't a lot of memorable moments. Uh, the Rams only had three wins in total. One of them was a two-point win over Idaho, The other one, a 24-point win over New Mexico. The most dominant win, though, a 33-point win over UNLV. Again, UNLV was really bad, and when the Rams used to play them every year, that was just kind of a gimme win. They held the Rebels under 300 total yards. They won the turnover margin 2-0. And a really balanced game for the Rams. It, It wasn't a very good year for them offensively. But on that day, they were very balanced, 259 on the ground, 233 through the air and pull out a nice home win. There weren't a lot of great games for Pete Thomas, but he was nearly perfect that day, 10 of 14 for 233 yards, three touchdowns, no picks, 16 and a half yards per attempt. Pete Thomas, man, he had so much hype coming in. Talk about a letdown. <laughs> but uh, Leonard Mason led the Rams in rushing with 14 carries for 121 yards. He had a touchdown. Chris Nwoke also had eight carries for 75 yards. Running back John Mosier, receiver Luke Greenwood, each caught a touchdown, and uh, tight end Eric Pites had a pair of touchdowns as well. 2011 was the final year of the Steve Fairchild era. The Rams once again go 3-9. and nine. <laughs> Just a brutal, brutal year. I kind of forgot how tough it was my first few years of high school, what it was like being a CSU fan. There was some hope, though. I mean, they started 3-1. and They they beat New Mexico on the road in a close one, 14-10. Come home, beat UNC. Drop a tight one to CU, 28-14. Follow it up with a road victory, 35-34 uh, over Utah State. You know, I'm thinking maybe things are going good. After that, though, it just kind of falls apart. They drop a heartbreaker, a seven-point loss to San Jose State. Get murdered by a top-five Boise State team. Then they then the wheels just fall off. I mean, they, they lose by two touchdowns. At, UTEP, UNLV beats them by a field goal. There was another game to San Diego State by a field goal. TCU beats them down. Air Force beats them down. And ultimately, the, uh, the final dagger being a 22-19 loss to Wyoming. God, man, that's just brutal. Eight straight losses to end the year and uh, <laughs> three-point loss in the border war. Most dominant win. There weren't very many. Kind of a terrible season. I, I guess you got to go 33-14 over UNC. Raymond Carter rushed for 100 yards and a pair of touchdowns. Max Morgan, local linebacker, recorded a safety. 2011, along with 2018, for my money, probably the, the most embarrassing CSU football seasons of, of my lifetime. I mean, they were just brutal. 2012, the Jim McElwain era begins. We will keep that fun rolling. Real quick, though, got to shout out the homies over at Breckenridge Brewery. The hometown craft beer of your Colorado avalanche is celebrating this historic winning season with the people who have supported this community through such a challenging year. They're doing so by gifting abs tickets to a pair of community stars. They've done so throughout the playoffs and have continued to do so throughout the Stanley Cup. We invite you to nominate a stellar community member and an Avs fan who should get the chance to celebrate at a playoff game this season. There's a chance that the Avs won't have any more home games, but if they do, Breck will be hooking up an ABS fan and a friend for each one with tickets, gear to match, and of course, the drink of the season, Avalanche Ale. Breckenridge Brewery will also donate a portion of all proceeds of sales of Avalanche Ale through the playoffs to the community fund Boulder County to help benefit Marshall Fire Victims. Visit BreckBrew.com to nominate a community star and send them to an ABS playoff game. Also, check out the Breck Brew Locator to find the closest liquor store, grocery store, whatever near you with delicious Breck brews. I highly recommend the hard soda line that came out this summer. Absolute fire. Root beer, ginger ale, cannot be beat. My favorite drink of the summer. I'm telling you guys, go check it out. All right, in 2012, the first year under Jim McElwain, you had some excitement. I mean, you have the offensive coordinator coming over from Alabama after they win a national championship. He starts off with a win over CU first ever game, leading the program 22 17 down in Denver. I'll never forget that day, because Michael Hancock accidentally called him the wrong name. But I think the 2012 season was kind of a, a perfect example of how things tend to go under first-year coaches. And and the transfer portal is probably going to change just a little bit, but you have the high moment where you, you know, beat your rival, you beat CU in game one, you're feeling good. And then week two, you know, you, you fall to an FCS team in North Dakota state. Obviously that, you know, the Bison were really good at that point. They were still coached by Craig bowl. You know, it, it wasn't like losing to Illinois state or, you know, South Dakota state, even it it was somewhat of a respectable loss, but if you're a, if you're an FBS team, you just you can't lose to an FCS team at home. You can't, and that's why I hate scheduling them. Other than you know UNC for the local benefit, because you just have absolutely nothing to gain. After that, they lose to San Jose State by 20. They lose to Utah State by 11. They lose to Air Force by 21. Fresno State by 21. Things are going rough. They're absolutely getting their butts kicked. But you, you could kind of see the improvement, and after losing six straight games, CSU finally responds with a 42-27 win over Hawaii. They end up closing the year three and two, so you know, pretty pretty nice way to close out the year, despite you know losing a, a lot of blowout games. The most dominant win of the year for CSU came late in the season, unsurprisingly, November 10th, the Rams took down UNLV 33 to 11 in Fort Collins. That game started with Shaq Barrett housing a 49 yard pick six in the first quarter. Then DB Shaq Bell scooped and scored on a 30 yard fumble recovery, so you had the the rare two defensive touchdown game. Anytime you do that, you're going to be in a good position to win. Donnell Alexander rushed for a couple of touchdowns on the ground. He ended up you know having the, the game winning or game tying score against Washington State the following year in the New Mexico Bowl. But CSU ended up holding UNLV to just 219 total yards of offense. They forced four turnovers. Like I said, two of them went back for scores. Just a really complete team victory. And, you know, kind of the first sign of what was to to come in in the following season. In 2013, CSU got off to kind of a frustrating start. One and three at two and four in the first six. They lose to CU 41-27 in a game where they just can't get any defensive stops in the opener. Then they drop a really frustrating game where they just gave away a couple of dumb turnovers at Tulsa. Lose that one 30-27 in Week 2 before coming home to beat Cal Poly 34-17. to This was actually my freshman year at CSU. After going to Alabama on September 21st, the Rams were able to kind of find themselves. They lost that game 31-6, to but I mean, it, it was a competitive game really going into the fourth quarter. And after that, you know, CSU responds with a 59-42 win over UTEP. They do lose a heartbreaker to San Jose State, another frustrating game. That one, that game in Tulsa, I mean, are, are a couple of plays away from CSU having a 10-4 year. But if we're talking about the most dominant wins, and I really think you could have gone with two here. You could have gone with a 52-22 win up in Laramie. I mean, after, you know, starting two and four to win by 30 in the border war, I think you could really make a strong argument for it. And I almost did go at that one, but I actually went with the season finale, a 58, 13 victory over air force. The Rams held air force to just 154 rush yards, 279 yards of total offense. CSU on the other hand goes for 629 yards of total offense. Garrett Grayson, nearly perfect under center, twenty six to thirty four for three hundred ninety five yards, three touchdowns, no picks, three rushing touchdowns from Capri Bibbs, two rushing or two receiving touchdowns from Rashard Higgins. It, this was kind of the beginning of that two thousand fourteen team. Was you know the finale uh, against Air Force, going into the the Washington State win in, in the New Mexico Bowl. CSU was just really clicking. You had a lot of veterans on defense, you know, Shaq Barrett obviously leading the way, but you know, Bernard Blake at DB, you know, KPL, Trent Matthews in, in the secondary. And and offensively, they were just pretty much unstoppable. I mean, Garrett Grayson was clicking in a way that really no CSU quarterback from a passing efficiency perspective had ever performed. And then you have Capri Bibbs just going wild in the backfield. Richard Higgins has a breakout year. I mean, you could just tell, like, this was a program on the rise. And in 2014, they broke out in a in a major way, you know, 10-2 season, a couple of plays away at Air Force from an 11-1 season. And really, I mean, they had a chance to beat Boise as well. But yeah, the most dominant win in 2014 was when the Rams went 10-1 and with a 58-20 victory over New Mexico at Hughes Stadium on November 22nd, 2014. This was a weird, like, 10.30 a.m. kickoff. I, I don't remember very many of these. But it was a fun atmosphere, despite the students not really being on campus. It was kind of a cold, dreary day. It was my first game on the sidelines, so that was fun. But what was crazy was for the second straight year, CSU had a player go for six touchdowns against the Lobos. D. Hart rushed for six TDs in that game. The year before, Capri Bibbs did it down in Albuquerque. That game was more of a shootout. In, in 2013, 2014, just a beat down, 58 to 20. Yeah, I mean, like I said, that that was a really memorable year. Obviously, with Jim and offensively, defensively, that team just so talented. And man, you know, a couple things go differently. You're potentially looking at a Fiesta Bowl appearance, uh, a New Year's Six Bowl appearance, at least, and probably CSU's first conference championship since 2002. Just ended up being a really deep year. I mean, Air Force, Boise State, they were great. It's a fun year, but a frustrating year if you're a CSU fan. After McElwain dips for Florida in 2015, the Rams open up the Mike Bobo era with a 65-13 victory over Savannah State. Talked about this game a little bit on part one, just because it's one of the more prolific offensive performances by any CSU team ever. Fifth most points scored by CSU in any individual game. Begins with a fumble recovery in the end zone by Kevin Davis less than one minute in. It was 45-7 by halftime. Nine different Rams scored a touchdown in this game. I mean, it was just insane. Higgins had an awesome score. Olabeze Johnson scored his first ever touchdown in it. Nick Stevens and Coleman Key combined to throw six touchdowns. The reason I actually remember this game, I, to this day, still view this as the hottest game that I've ever been at. College football wise, I'm not sure temperature wise if it actually was the hottest, but the sun was just so intense. And sitting in the student section back at Hughes, man, it, the sun was rough, really rough. And, and you felt it in a major way in that Savannah State game. You felt it in a major way the following year, too, in the most dominant win. And that was November 5th, 2016, when the Rams beat Fresno State 37 0 at Hughes Stadium. This might be the most dominant game of of the 21st century, if we're being honest. I mean, it wasn't necessarily the flashiest, the sexiest, but they just throttled them. I mean, absolutely throttled them. It was kind of surprising, too, because Fresno was a pretty, they were an okay team. I mean, the 2015 game was, was awesome, but they just, they were completely outclassed in this one. CSU, 28 first downs. Fresno only had 12. CSU 494 Total Yards Fresno had 232 four individuals ended up scoring for the Rams. Just a just a beatdown and I should say I said Fresno was a decent team. They were not. They were 0 and 8 going in, so that was just in my head. But nonetheless, most dominant win of that season 37-0. I mean it it was so lopsided it was, you know, over halfway through the second quarter. it it was such a beatdown. It it really wasn't even like that entertaining. It wasn't that fun to watch. 2017, the biggest win came against Hawaii 51 to 21 big time road win for the Rams. I mean, you could have gone with the home opener against Oregon state. That's the most memorable game from 2017. You could have gone with San Jose state as well. Both of those were blowouts, but I think to go on the Island and win by 30 is just pretty damn impressive. I mean, you had so much energy going your way in that Oregon State game. I just I didn't see a scenario in which CSU lost that day. Not with the talent that they had, the atmosphere that they had, it just wasn't going to happen. But to beat Hawaii on the road is it's just hard. It's one of the toughest travel situations that you can have as a team. And I mean, it was 37 to 7 in the third quarter, so just complete and total domination. 610 yards of total offense for CSU. Seven individuals scored. One of the best games in Nick Stevens' career: eighteen of twenty-two for three hundred fifty-one yards, four touchdowns, zero picks. This was the first of four conference wins in a row for CSU to to open up that twenty seventeen Mountain West slate. Three of them were on the road. So I mean, you you were just feeling so good at that point. They'd already beaten down Oregon State. They they lost a heartbreaker to CU, but we all know that one was bullshit with the pass interferences. I mean, I I don't blame the refs, but I will blame the refs for that one until I die. They, they drop a competitive game at number one, Alabama, 41, 23. And then they open up at Hawaii with a 51, 21 slaughtering, go to Utah state when that one, 27, 14 beat Nevada, 44, 42 in a thriller at canvas. And uh, then go to New Mexico win 27, 24 before falling to air force Wyoming Boise State, we all know how that goes. The Rams ultimately ultimately end up going 7 and 6 overall after losing the New Mexico Bowl to Marshall 31 to 28, but you could just feel the air go out of the program once they no longer had an opportunity to contend and in my opinion, you know, this this season that 2017 Boise State collapse is kind of when any hope of things succeeding under Mike Bobo went out the window for me. In 2018, that opinion was pretty much cemented in no no dominant victories all year long. Like I said, 2011, 2018, the most embarrassing individual years by CSU in my lifetime. I, I'll shout out the Arkansas win. Obviously, that was crazy to beat an SEC team in Fort Collins was cool. But, I mean, Arkansas, they were up 27-9 halfway through the third. They had every opportunity to just run out the clock, and they didn't do it. The coaches completely blew that game. To CSU's credit, they took advantage. A couple of third-quarter touchdowns from Preston Williams made it interesting. Izzy Matthews ends up scoring the game winner with eight seconds left. A a fun, memorable night. I mean, it it was one of the more exciting wins for CSU during the Bobo era, but that year as a whole was just terrible, and there really were no dominant wins, which is crazy because it was the only season I really couldn't find one. There were a couple of ones where you're maybe a bit of a stretch, like 2011, but no dominant wins in 2018, 2019. Similar. I, I don't really think there were a ton of dominant wins, but I guess I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with week two, 38-13 victory over Western Illinois. This was, I mean, this was a a complete victory for CSU. It, it was a nice response after losing a, a tough game against CU, where the defense just couldn't get a stop. Colin Hill hits Dante Wright on the very first offensive play of the, the day for a 75-yard touchdown. Marvin Kinsey and Wright each scored twice. There was just a feeling that day that the Rams could be really special with the offense. The only reason I was kind of hesitant to do this one was just the level of competition that they were playing. Obviously, this is exactly what CSU should have done. But, I mean, it, it was the the most complete victory in, in 2019. I also went with the road victory over Fresno State, but just if we're talking about the way that the score was, I I don't think you could say it was dominant, but I think that was the most impressive victory was the Fresno State game. 2020, again, I don't really think there were a ton of dominant wins, but I'll give CSU the border war. They were up 24-7 over Wyoming in the first half. To Levi Williams' credit, after a couple of early turnovers, the, the Pokes were able to respond. They make it interesting but I CSU, they were in control throughout. I never felt at any moment like the Rams were actually going to lose that game. And I think when you go back and and you remember it, you'll kind of view it as the Trey McBride game. You know, he was more than established at that point as one of the best tight ends in the country. But to dominate the way that he did against you know a rival, and and it had just been such a tough year. The season had been delayed. You know, you start the year with a brutal loss to Fresno State. That was like the only good moment of 2020. It really was. Finally, we are at 2021, and this one was easy. 36-7 beatdown of New Mexico. 13-7 at halftime, but, I mean, they just throttled them in the second half. 23-0. Held UNM to 74 total yards of offense. Absolutely murdered their quarterbacks. The defensive line just feasted all day long. Forced three total turnovers, and, you know, this was after uh, Isaiah Chavez, you know, the freshman quarterback, came out talking a bunch of trash. And the Rams made him pay, man. They went, they went down into Albuquerque, and and they really embarrassed him. And the Adazio era was rough. There's no doubt about it. It, it. Last year was particularly rough, starting the way that they did with South Dakota State and Vanderbilt. But New Mexico, San Jose State, those were big wins. Those were fun moments. And what was largely a a really disappointing, a really just long season. I mean, by the end, having to listen to those rants at the press conference was was just brutal. But On this night, on October 16th, 2021, it was fun to watch CSU as they completely just own the Lobos. Whew, we made it. Took us about an hour, but we made it. We went through the 21 most dominant victories of the 21st century. And we also went over just some of the most prolific offensive performances. I thought this was fun. I thought this was a cool way to kind of relate it to a historic showing from the Colorado Avalanche, obviously coming off of that 7-0 win over Tampa Bay. Hope that they can extend that series lead to 3-0 on Monday night. We shall see. Big game. I think if the Avs are able to pull that one out, I'm I'm predicting a sweep at that point. the math is easy. Yeah, it's easy to say that. They're up 3-0. But just from a momentum standpoint, after losing in overtime to lose a heartbreaker, and then to just get shell shocked the way that they did in game two, I think, you know, I think if you win game three, they're they're gonna roll over even with the experience that they have. On the flip side, you win game three, it's a completely different series. So I'm really looking forward to it. I hope you guys enjoyed this. I thought it was fun to kind of go through the history. Go down memory lane, talk about some of our favorite memories, favorite moments, favorite players, all of that stuff. Uh, It's going to be a busy couple of days on the recruiting front, so make sure you're keeping up with all things DNVR Rams there. I'll have articles as well as a podcast update probably Monday night or Tuesday morning. We'll see how that works out. Uh, But I will write articles as the commits happen, so make sure you are subscribing to DNVR. Never a better time. I'm telling you, sign up for an annual subscription, get a free t-shirt we make it more fun to be a Ram fan. All right, that's all I have for today. Make sure you're keeping up with all our content. Much love to all of you. Go Avs. Peace.
1: Peaches out of Palisades, sweet as mama's marmalade This shit sound like summer days, the windows down on harmony The family band sing harmonies, my daddy played the drums My mama slapped that bass, my sister sang these songs Dancing under canopies, we thank the trees for all their leaves We are just some drops of water together, make up seven seas And one day I'll be like my father, one day I will learn to breathe I'm choking on the thought that I am not the man I wanna be I got blood on my shirt, like I wear my heart on my sleeve She said I look good in red, but that went straight to my head So now she. She's rocking my teeth, tucked into new prodigies And we ain't spoken a month But I just saw her last week The lipstick stain still on my cheek Like we ain't talking enough And we always seem to laugh But never nod at us So the future's looking grim It's kinda ominous And this song ain't about love That'd be too obvious See, this is more about lust And all of my misconceptions And this is more about me And all of my self-deception I'll tell myself a lie One hundred times Don't need corrections But every night I pray to God I hope I learn my lesson And the peaches out from Palisade And they sweet as mama's marmalade And this should sound like summer days The windows down on harmony The family band sing harmonies My daddy played the drums And my mama slapped that bass And my sister sang these songs Dancing hand in hand We were tripping two left feet Like a middle school slow dance No one knew how to lead But I'm so thankful for these days They put a smile on my face Flirt with me when you're bored That's what I'm here for Talk to me softly Till I get a little more Attached to the fact That you reply so quickly Dash and retract Only when you get get sick of me, sit back reminiscing back to when I got them digits I swear I need a witness of somebody quick with pinches, I was out there floating all them feelings felt indigenous to places I don't visit, Hard eyes when I'm grinning, hard eyes and them emojis you said you won't be on me, I said you won't be lonely, you can't count on me like a bank teller counter. ain't never felt prouder, never holding back, don't got a front when I'm around her, I wanna listen more like maybe I should say less, I'm not sure how to make an album, this is just my best Guess my best friends are producers, send me beats, I bump the playlist Imagine all the hours, Ableton was stuck on repeat All for me to rap about some girls who didn't like me SB4 of fours and stupid bars all wrote on loose leaf. I wait a lot on promises that sound like maybes My contacts still just numbers but in person call me baby Like why I fall in love with every girl that wanna date me Introspective but scatterbrained on the daily I'll make a tape with the homies and rap the same thing I know it's just rhymes, but it sounds like everything. And the peaches out from Palisade. Uh-huh. And they sweet as mama's marmalade. And this shit sound like summer days, the windows down on harmony. The family bands like harmonies, my daddy played the drums. And my mama slapped that bass. And my sister sang these songs. Dancing hand in hand, we were tripping to left feet like a middle school slow dance. No one knew how to leave, but I'm still thankful for these days. They put a smile on my face.